What's crack? Big dogs getting on here a little bit early today. All right. And I just want to say, bruh, bruh, underdog, underdoge. Y'all are playing again for tonight's Monday night football game. They've got Dorelli. Dorelli at 16 and a half receiving yards. All right. We're smashing the over on this. They play the 49ers. And virtually every single game in which they were not trouncing the other team or he didn't get hurt, he's over 16 and a half. Week one, 17. Week two, 29. Week four, 27. Week five, 17. So to start the year, 17, 29, 27, 17, 29, 19. Houston absolutely bossed on him, pummeled him. No need to throw the ball to Darrell Henderson. And last week he got hurt. This dude's, there's no shot that he doesn't put up 16 and a half receiving yards given Robert Woods now out of the game. They're going to need someone to make up those short area types of catches. So Darrell Henderson over 16 and a half receiving yards on underdog fantasy right now is the lock of the millennium. I researched what the word was for uh, 10,000 years or maybe a million years, but I've already forgotten what it was. That's how my brain works on a Monday morning. Darrell Henderson over 16 and a half receiving yards. I also like him over two and a half receptions, but I'd probably rather go with the receiving yards because he can get one reception, turn that into 17 yards, and boom, you're good to go. So underdogfantasy.com, underdogfantasy.com, the link to download the app available on both iOS and Google. First link in the description, all right? And when you deposit for the first time, use the promo code BDGE. They're going to double your deposit match, okay? So if you put in 50, you're going to have 100 in your account to lose it all tonight under a Henderson. That's what we love to see, underdog, just giving us money, free rent, free revenue, free Chick-fil-A sandwiches. So I all the GOAT partners. As everyone piles in, we are recapping, saying an obituary to week 10, an absolute shit week of football. Every single fantasy league I'm looking, this has been like three weeks running now. Is fantasy, is fantasy football dead? How do we make fantasy football great again? One, we just need Christian McCaffrey back. And he was back. He's bite. But I feel like every time, the last like few weeks, every time I look at leagues, I'm like putting up 105 points and it's like top three scoring in the league. Got absolutely shit trounced. Shit cunted, as Snacks would say, in E-Town get down. And it's not looking pretty for me there, man. Um... Yeah, so a shitty week of football, but we're going to recap everything for 10, as we always do on Monday morning. So make sure you subscribe to the channel. Make sure you've got notifications turned on. Let me get myself crispy up in this bitch so you guys can see how tired I look today. Uh, yeah, so subscribe. Got notifications on. Let you know when I go live. We do this every Monday. We recap game by game, take, taking away the biggest talking points from the games. And then uh, a, an early look at Week 11 with the wire. So without further ado, without further ado, let us dive into the games. Skirt. All right, we'll start off with, uh, oh, my God. Well, Falcons, again, outdid themselves and embarrassed me like no other team could possibly fucking embarrass me, letting up 29 points to Dallas in the second quarter. Things you just love to see. So 43-3. Uh, Takeaways from this game, not much outside of Mike. I, something happened with Cordell Patterson. I think he tweaked his ankle, and then they just kind of wanted to sit him for the remainder of the game. So bad game, nothing to worry about. Outside of that, I mean, Mike Davis is droppable. Wayne Gallman got a lot of run, 15 for 55, but a lot of that was garbage time. Wouldn't be surprised if we started to see Wayne Gallman start to eat into Mike Davis's workload, though. So Wayne Gallman's a guy to 
you know, maybe take a flyer on, but realistically, I don't really want to own anybody on the Falcons outside of Wayne Gallman, uh, outside of Cordell Patterson and Kyle Pitts. No one else startable on the receiving side of things for Dallas. Um, sorry, I got to clear my throat. <clears> throat> is going to sound disgusting. Actually, let me turn you off. We bike. For Dallas, big game for Dak Prescott. Good to see him bounce bike. The whole Cowboys team bounce bike. However, um, Zeke, I ain't going to lie. Zeke's looking a little bit sluggish. I was the last person to say, like, hey, everybody's doing way too much saying that Zeke doesn't look good or Zeke looks sluggish and whatever. Zeke just doesn't seem like he's really got the burst, man. He came into this year looking slim, looking spry, looking juicy. And uh, I think he's been eating too much lately, man. He's lost a little bit of burst, but he does get in the end zone twice. Tony Pollard is really nothing but a backup. Um, unfortunately, yeah, I mean, he did get some run, obviously, because they got up so big. But on a normal game status, not someone you could really trust even in a flex spot. So Zeke scores twice, and obviously you're super happy with that. C.D. Lamb goes bonkers, 6 for 94, two touchdowns, continues to be the uh, big-time playmaker in this offense, way valued over Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper's starting to look more like a wide receiver three, though. He's have, He obviously has his big games, and I heard a comparison today. like He's kind of like the DJ Moore of his offense, um, or at least in terms of like quality of playmaker. And uh, when you throw you know an alpha over him in terms of like C.D. Lamb, that's what's going to happen. So... Mark Cooper, definitely more of like a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three. Michael Gallup's first game bite, and it seems to me the player most affected was Dalton Schultz. So Schultz has been like a, a really key tight end one for most of the year. Ended up with two targets, one catch, 14 yards. Michael Gallup, five catches, three tar- or five targets, three catches, 42 yards. Uh, so we'll have to see what happens with Dalton Schultz going forward. I do think this was just like an obviously weird game script, so a lot of players got involved. You can see how many players, how many different players uh, caught balls in this game. They're running off uh, on and off the field with different players. So I'm not going to look too much into this. Good to see Gallup back. He throws a little bit of a wrench into things. So I think it kind of downgrade, downgrades Cooper, downgrades Schultz. Gallup is certainly not a guy that I want in my starting lineups, uh, at least not at the moment until he proves something more. Saints, Titans, Trevor Simeon continues to look like honestly pretty good. Mark Ingram filled in for Alvin Kamara, who was out for the game. Uh, Taysom Hill, I suppose, is... I don't see them going away from Simeon at this point, I guess. Um, so if one quarterback leaves, you could definitely drop Taysom Hill. If I have room for him in my Superflex leagues, which I own a lot of t- Taysom Hill and redraft, I'm going to try to hold on to him, man. I just feel like we're going to have one of those games where Trevor Trevor Simeon throws for like 180, a touchdown and like two or three interceptions and gets benched, and then maybe Hill takes over. But who knows, man? Who knows? Um, took an L here, so it's possible they start thinking about Taysom Hill, who went 3-1 and one with them as a starter last year. So I'm going to hold on to him for as long as I physically can. Like, I'm not going to start dropping him for shitty, like, possible fl- – like, I'm not sh- I'm not dropping, like, Taysom Hill for Gabriel Davis in a super flex league, obviously. I want to hold on to him for as long as I possibly can to see if he does get a starting job because obviously he's got a huge ceiling. Uh, nobody else you can trust whatsoever on the passing side of things for the New Orleans Saints. Mark Ingram does a great job filling in for Kamara. I do think Kamara will be back next week. But Ingram, like, I think he's got some standalone value. I think as the season progresses, you'll see him be more of, like, that thumper, right? And and get the – almost like a – it's not going to be a split, like, 50-50, but he's going to be annoying enough to bring Kamara's ceiling down and kind of have standalone value of his own right, right? Like, almost like a super similar situation to Green Bay, where Aaron Jones was clearly, before he got hurt, 
the wider or the running back one getting 16 to 18 touches a game by AJ Dillon enough room to see 11, 12 touches. I think that's what we're going to see with Kamara and Ingram going forward. So I would keep Ingram for sure. Obviously um, if you're a Kamara owner, if you just happen to own him in any league, because you could probably throw him into the flex and hope that he gets like a goal line carry or two going forward on the Tennessee side of things. Uh, the big storyline here is pretty much the running back group. You have Devonta Foreman just looking way more explosive than Adrian Peterson. So we'll take another L on that one. Adrian Peterson does not look like the back to own next week's interesting. Cause I believe the Titans get the New York jets. So this is obviously going to be a favorable game script for them. So I would imagine the running backs get a lot of play here. Jeremy McNichols is clearly the odd man out. He's only playing third and fourth downs, not getting a lot of work in the running game. Foreman, 11 carries for 30 yards. Peterson, 8 for 21. Foreman just, I mean, when you watch, he just looks way more explosive. Uh, and he was written off early in his career because he had the Achilles tear, and no one ever comes bite from the Achilles tear, except for now people are coming bite from the Achilles tear. Uh, but he's been, you know, he's been in the league for a minute and really hasn't done anything. He's dealt with a lot of, like, serious injuries. Maybe this is his breakthrough. Maybe this is his chance. Um, so I would pick up Deontay Foreman if you're in a 12-14 team league and see, uh, and see what happens next week against the Jets. I almost think you could probably flex him in the hopes of getting a goal line carry. Receiving side of things, Julio Jones placed on the IR drink. Uh, A.J. Brown, terribly disappointing game, unfortunately. You just kind of throw the tape out on this one. Marcus Johnson had a big game. Uh, I think he is someone absolutely to keep an eye on because he kind of just played that Julio role. Six targets, five catches, 100 yards. He's been a, uh, a downfield playmaker. Actually, I believe he was on the Colts before this. I want to take a look at his um, his analytics and what he'd be doing in the games. Athletic standpoints. Marcus Johnstein. I feel like he's a big playmaker down the field, which would make sense given his 20 yards per reception on Sunday. Um, 4-4-4 speed, 83rd percentile weight-adjusted speed score, 89th percentile burst score, 6-1-2-0-4. So he's got good size. He's older, obviously 27, undrafted free agent. But the athletics uh, point towards a pretty, pretty solid player, at least from you know just an athletic stand- standpoint. He hasn't done much in the NFL, as you can see. His stats here don't really scream anything good but the yards per reception you could see consistently 17 16.3 18.2 15 so he could take over like a specialized deep role in Tennessee I think he's someone worth keeping an eye on obviously you're not comfortable enough starting him but um you know at this point in the year got to do what you got to do Jaguars versus the Colts uh the main takeaways here are that James Robinson is bike uh, Dan Arnold is the only startable pass catcher in the Jacksonville passing group. That is literally all there is to say. Robinson, 12 for 57 and a tugger on the ground. Five more targets, four for 27 through the air. So great to see him back after the heel injury if you were a James Robinson drafter. Colt side of things. We have uh, – where the fuck did those come from? Whatever. Um Colt side of Tings, Jonathan Taylor continues to be an alpha. Michael Pittman continues to be the alpha on the team. Literally no other takeaways. Like, there's nothing new from this game that you didn't already know. People that were – there were people actively buying Naeem Hines after last game, which is just – I mean, we've, we've played this. We've, we've read this book many times already. It's the same ending. He goes off, and then the next game he has 17 yards. That's exactly what happens. So, um, you, you keep firing up Michael Pittman. You keep firing up Jonathan Taylor. I don't care that Pittman keeps getting five to six – targets he catches like everything and they're all pretty much downfield so he's a big playmaker and more often than not he's scoring a touchdown browns versus patriots just a disgusting day from baker he does hurt himself um i forgot what the actual synopsis was let's look that up 
while we're here. While we're here and having a good time. Since we're all here, how about a foursome in that movie, you bish? Uh, Browns coach Kevin Stefanski said Baker Mayfield is considered day-to-day. Added the team is feeling good about where he is this morning. A post-game x-ray revealed no structural damage to the knee. So Baker's banged the fuck up. Tough player. Tough player. Just need to stop doing those fucking commercials. Otherwise, Ernest Johnson, uh, fucking playmaker, man. Everybody, every running back that just gets their chance in Cleveland is just their ballers, man. This offensive line can do no wrong. And Ernest Johnson just proved again. Um, so we'll see what happens here. If uh, if Nick Chubb is back for week 11, which I expect him to be, I don't think Kareem Hunt's going to be back. So obviously with Nick Chubb back in the fold, Ernest Johnson goes back to a uh, Kareem Hunt light, which is not very usable in fantasy, but 19 for 99 on the ground, seven for 58 on eight targets through the air. He was really the only fantasy usable player. Jarvis Landry continues to disappoint. I thought he was going to be a, a, a big time PPR guy with OBJ off the grid. Doesn't seem to be the case. So you can't really start anybody. You can't trust anybody in the Browns passing game going forward. Uh, Hopefully we get Baker back, but it doesn't seem to really matter. Everything is going through the ground here. And they got absolutely fucking schwabbed. I thought this was going to be a good game by Cleveland. I will say, though, if you can pick up Cleveland's defense for next week, I think they're playing – I want to say they play the Jets at home and they got a lot of their defensive players, despite what it looked like. I think they got a lot of their defensive players back this week and healthy Denzel Ward and some of the guys that were banged up. So they should be at full strength. Look for a bounce back game from Cleveland coming up next week on the Patriots side of things. Mac Jones continues to be wildly efficient, continues to be the best rookie quarterback that was in this class. 198 passing yards on just 23 attempts, completion percentage of a really fucking high number and three touchdowns. Couple takeaways here: We're Godre Stevenson. Man, this guy is good every time he gets gets playing time. Damian Harris out with a concussion. Ramondre Stevenson beat him to the finish line. Clear concussion protocol. Twenty carries, hundred yards, two touchdowns. Looked damn good while doing it. Five targets in the passing game. Four receptions, fourteen yards. So this this backfield is super tricky right now because Damian Harris more likely than not going to clear the protocol and be bike for week 11 and any chance you give uncle bill to put a committee to use, you know, damn well, he's going to do it. Harris has been really good, right? You want to be like Stevenson's the guy. He just won the job and it's possible. It's possible. He won the starting job, but I don't see any world where Damian Harris is not like still very involved. Maybe this is like a Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon backfield now where it's 50, 50, which could, kind of work but also be terrible because the floors are super low on a weekly basis um the upside with Ramondre Stevenson is obviously that he's super involved in the passing game right like even if Amy Harris can catch balls it doesn't seem like the Patriots want that to be a a, a part of it so Stevenson even if it is a you know one-two punch there Stevenson's the guy who's probably going to catch balls if anything this hurts Brandon Bolden um which doesn't hurt anybody because hopefully no one was fucking playing him but um Yes, I mean, Stevenson's obviously a must-add. If Damian Harris is out again next week, he's a must-start running back. He went off. I believe he's going to be the RB1 on the week. So shout-out to fucking Ramondre Stevenson. Beast. Jacoby Myers, really happy for him. Finally got in the end zone. Him and his family have got to be celebrating. they got to be like I'm, I feel like they probably went off and made a custom parade. They rented a bus, had a parade going down. Uh, going down wherever New England goes down for the Super Bowl parades, Jacoby Myers is without a doubt right there today. So if anyone wants his autograph, you know where to find him. 
Buffalo, New York. Buffalo got back on the right track, 45-17. to 17, Just absolutely smashed the Jets, who were starting Mike White, so it shouldn't have been a um, big surprise there. They tried to get the running game back on track here with Buffalo, and they tried to get – I mean, they tried to get everything back on track here, and they did rightfully so. Josh Allen, 366 yards through the air, two touchdowns. Doesn't add much on the ground, which was kind of surprising. But all three running backs in this one, including Isaiah McKenzie, which whatever the fuck you diagnose him as positional-wise, all of them scored a touchdown. Singletary, Matt Breda, Zach Moss, all rushing touchdowns. Isaiah McKenzie, rushing touchdown. Uh, None of them trustable going forward. None of them can grace your fantasy lineups. I don't care what their stats were in this game. Uh, receiving. Good to see Stefan Diggs finally break the fuck out. He catches 162 yards and a tugger with a long of 57, which was, you know, I'm not sure what happened there, but he kind of lost his burst. He was close to scoring like a 75-yard touchdown on this one, so this could have been even a bigger day. Gabriel Davis, really good. Three for 105, um, which is a ridiculous 35 yards per reception. A lot of this had to do with Cole Beasley, who ended up playing like 12 snaps in this one. Was off the injury report. He had some rib injury he was dealing with all week. Off the injury report and then absolutely did nothing. So my concern with Cole Beasley was like once Dawson Knox was back, Cole Beasley's numbers dropped significantly, um, which happened. It didn't seem to be the Dawson Knox theory, though. It just was him hurt. So Knox back, him hurt. I I don't like what we're seeing from Cole Beasley going forward. Emmanuel Sanders seems to be a much more volatile play than I imagined him to be. I thought he was like the clear wide receiver two here. Going to see a five for 60 floor week in and week out, but we've seen, again, a lot more volatility from him. So Diggs still a high end wide receiver one. Davis a speculative ad because I don't know if there's going to be consistency here if Cole Beasley gets back to his normal form. Uh, still a, a super athletic, like young player that should continue to get more opportunities. But who knows? Like you look at the offense, 13 targets for Diggs, and the next leading guy, we had a bunch of guys tied with three targets. Davis, three targets, Breda, three targets, Isaiah McKenzie, three targets, two targets for Beasley and Sanders, one target for not like it's just a, a game where Diggs is the guy and you don't really know what you're going to get behind him. So even Cole Beasley, who saw 10 targets in like three straight games, can barely uh, start him with confidence going forward after this one. But good to see Josh Allen get bike on track there. Uh, the Jets side of things, Michael Carter is still a rock solid RB2, even in a shitty game like this. 16 for 39, another touchdown on the ground. He continues to get like a ton of goal line opportunities, which is nuts considering the Jets absolutely stink. Uh, he continues to just score from inside the 10 yard line, game in and game out. So you continue putting him up, you know, regardless of who the quarterback is. I believe Zach Wilson, you know, they're, they're going to say that Zach Wilson's automatically like fully healed now after Mike White, those four fucking interceptions. Um, so Zach Wilson, I expect to be ready to go next week. I still think you just keep starting Michael Carter as an RB2 flex. Receiving side of things, Corey Davis, bike five for 93 on seven targets. So good to see him kind of play that alpha role again. I think you could probably play him. Let me see uh, what the... schedules like for the jets coming up they get miami they get houston and then philly so three plus matchups for the receivers over there in new york elijah moore building on his uh good game of last week of yesterday six targets three catches 44 yards finds the end zone again so three touchdowns in the last two weeks uh, i think he's still more of a desperate flex play but he's obviously giving you a little bit more confidence if you draft him, especially in dynasty leagues, you're starting to feel a little bit better about him. Corey Davis. Yeah. I think Davis and Moore are probably both like wide receiver three, fours flex plays um, next week in terms of buys. Let's see what we got going on. What's going on. 
Next week is the Broncos and the Rams. So you will be without Javonta Williams, Melvin Gordon, Sutton, Judy, Patrick, uh, Noah Fance, and then obviously the Rams are a powerhouse of Stafford Cup. Actually, not really. Henderson, and then depending on what OBJ and J- uh, Van Jefferson do tonight. So might need some fill-ins, might not. You know, if, if you're someone who's starting Van Jefferson, you could definitely throw like a guy like Corey Davis or Elijah Moore into that lineup. Same thing with Darrell Henderson for Michael Carter. Let's move to the Lions and the Steelers. There's never been a more like uh, a more quarterback duo that just screams overtime. Like if you're going to tell me two quarterbacks this year finish a uh, 16 to 16 game in overtime, it would be Jared Goff and Mason Rudolph, both averaging less than five yards per attempt. Uh, Jared got this entire offense was DeAndre Swift getting 33 carries for 130 yards, career high in carries, obviously not just not very effective on the ground, but like that's going to happen when you're a fucking Detroit Lions offense where they only need to key in on you. Like literally Jared Goff is you know, 114 passing yards starts to feel like a good game for Jared Goff, which is uh, criminal. TJ Hawkinson, I don't know what to tell you. Um, zero catches, one target, uh, nothing you could take away here. You, you continue to start him because he's got that, you know, eight catch, 100 yard upside, but obviously not fun to see a game like this. Otherwise, you can't trust anybody on the Lions. Um, Pittsburgh side of things. So Mason Rudolph got the start because Big Ben experienced COVID symptoms. It was either Saturday or Sunday, which puts him in like very, very, very doubtful territory for week. Uh, 11 because even if you test positive, you have to go 10 days basically since uh, after symptoms. So I almost think that guarantees them to be out next week. They play the Rams. So if you are picking up defenses and you can't get uh, whoever the fuck was playing the jets that I said before, Cleveland, uh, the Rams are, or actually wait, I lied. Never mind. Who the fuck am I talking about? Oh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh plays. Oh, I missed that. Oh, Pittsburgh plays Detroit or the chargers. I lied. So the chargers defense, not a great defense, but Against Mason Rudolph, uh, again, you could probably pick them up. They're going to go super heavy on Najee Harris, 26 carries, 105 yards, uh, catches all four of his targets for 28 yards. So you continue to start him as a high-end RB1. Obviously, Deontay Johnson, 13 fucking targets, seven catches, 83 yards. Pat Fryermuth, um, good to see the nine targets again with Chase Claypool out. So the volume's going to be there. He had a tough game, uh, could have had some bigger gains, lost the fumble as well. So not going to say too much about this, but Ray-Ray McLeod, 12 targets, nine catches, 63 yards. Again, this is kind of what happens when you have a backup quarterback who tends to look at like slot-type players, weapon-type players. They don't want to throw the ball down the field too often. So you'll see these random backup guys get, you know, big yardage and and big, big production games and volume games just because the guy doesn't want to throw it downfield. But like, I'm not going to waste my breath on Ray-Ray McLeod right now. I'm not telling you to put him into your flex spot. Keep keep uh, keep starting Najee. Keep starting Deontay Johnson. Keep starting Pat Fryermuth, and that will be all. Bucks Washington. I don't know how the fuck this happened, but the Bucks lose twenty nine to nineteen. Just an awful day from Tom Brady. Uh, probably his worst game of the season. Throws two interceptions, two touchdowns, two hundred twenty yards. Um, rushing side of things, like Leonard Fournette, not a great day. Did have a good day PPR-wise. Uh, 11 for 47 on the ground. Eight catches on nine targets, 45 yards to the air. So he basically has, has – he is like the entire backfield for Tampa Bay. I believe Ronald Jones got one snap in this game. Giovanni Bernard, one carry, uh, one catch. So it is all Leonard Fournette, which if you own him is you know beautiful thing to see because you got like a rock-solid RB2 with RB1 weekly upside that you probably have in your flex play. So uh, that's a beautiful thing. Godwin seemed no worse for the wear coming off this foot injury. He out-targeted uh, Evans 8-3, to three, out-targeted everybody else 8-5, to 8-3, whatever. Um, 
he played all the snaps, basically ran all the routes. So if you're a Godwin owner, I guess it was good to see. He didn't get the production, seven for 57, which is, I feel like his typical game when like Antonio Brown and Gronk are back in the lineup could be sooner rather than later. But the AB news, like in terms of him still being in the boot is a little bit worrisome. And I really have no idea when they're going to be back. They do get some plus matchups now at the Giants, Indy, Atlanta. So three good games in a row against New York. We could see some big games from Godwin and Evans. Uh, Evans has the big 40-yard touchdown catch, which obviously kind of cements him as a good fantasy player for the day. But only two catches. Just a shit game from Tampa Bay all around. We'll have to kind of see what happens with A.B. and Gronk and um, and those guys to see what we want to do with them going forward in terms of, like, sit starts. Washington. Gibson. Gibson, 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 Gibson. I trade his ass away for quarter all Patterson, so naturally Patterson has, like, three points and Gibson has fucking 23 points. Here's what I'll say. Uh, Tampa Bay, obviously a very tough run defense, but Gibson Gibson was exactly basically, I mean, in this game, you can get excited about it. 24 carries, 64 yards, two touchdowns. But again, th- this is exactly what Gibson has been all, all year. Wildly inefficient on the ground, not involved in the passing game, two catches, 14 yards. Um, he just happened to have a little bit, you know, the game script was in his favor. So he got a little bit more volume, but all relative, you know, in terms of efficiency, same player just happened to have some, some touches on the goal line. So he scored two touchdowns because he's the goal line back. No one's arguing that like he's been the goal line back all year and he's going to continue to get those. But how many times is Washington going to be in a game script like this? They play, uh, Carolina at Carolina, Seattle at Las Vegas, Dallas, Philly, Dallas, Philly. So a mix of okay game. I, don't, I wouldn't say any game on this slate is necessarily like an easy matchup for um, an easy matchup for running back. So I don't know. I'm not, I, did, I, if you could sell Gibson right now, I would still absolutely do so. He did play his uh, highest amount of snaps in a while, had his most routes in a while. Um, this is most carry since week one. So obviously trending in the positive direction, coming off the bye a little bit healthier, but the shin is not going to heal in one bye week. So I'm still very much uh, on the sell side when it comes to Antonio Gibson. Um, despite the big week, Terry McLaurin, you keep firing him up. I know he such a fucking shame to see Terry just, uh, keep putting up mediocre games against, you know, just mediocre games in general with Taylor, Taylor Heineke at quarterback, man, you get Terry over to a good quarterback. And I just, I can't imagine what he would fucking do. And he'd be like a plus Tyler Lockett. He'd be like a souped up Tyler Lockett where he's got incredible ceiling games. Um, we just, we just need a quarterback for this man. Holy fuck. DeAndre Carter's actually had uh, back-to-back good games now. Uh, again, not going to waste my breath and tell you that he's a good start. We did see a rookie. Uh, we did see Ricky Seals Jones go down in this one though, and it's and from what we've heard, it feels like uh, Logan Thomas is still kind of ways out from ways out from returning with the hamstring. So, did they not update anything? Hold on, let me check the Twitter sphere. Injuries we're watching. Aaron Jones, Dallas Goddard, Baker Mayfield, Rick Seals-Jones, Jamar Jefferson. Why the fuck are you watching Jamar Jefferson? Anthony Schwartz. Why are you watching him? Colt McCoy, Hayden Hurst. Uh, okay, so Rick Seals-Jones did something to his hip. I believe I, I believe he actually was like semi-seriously hurt. He was in a lot of pain. And then this dude, John Bates, literally it's like whoever's the tight end for Washington just steps up and plays 100% of the snaps, 100% of the routes. So I guess like, you know, if he's out and – Let's let's check out who John, John Bates like sounds like someone who's about to run a four nine six forty yard dash. Like there's no way, yeah, four eight nine. 
Speed score is terrible. Good agility, though. Hey, hey, at least we've got something positive. He's got the size, 6'5", 250, fourth-round pick, age 24. Oh, man, you got to be super – I mean, likely he's going to be like a one-week fill-in, so you got to be like really secure with yourself. You know, you got to be like 8-1, and 9-1 and one at this point and really not give a fuck about the tight end position to throw him into your lineup. But I guess he's a name to know if you're super desperate and like – dynasty league or something but john bates i guess would be the next guy up if seals jones and logan thomas are both out panthers cardinals this was kind of wild um chris mccaffrey did come by 13 for 95 on the ground also caught all 10 of his 10 targets beautiful to see 66 yards big storyline here is cam newton baby as i said cam newton was one of my favorite pickups in fantasy last week because once he gets the playbook under his belts this man is bike and we saw uh Joe Brady had a funny tweet. Obviously, he got ripped apart because they are fucking, what are they, five and five? They're not even above 500 right now. But he tweeted out, uh, where are you, bro? Yes, this is it. One or no, and Cam Newton always types like a fucking asshole, like he does all these symbols and stuff. So this is like in reference to Cam Newton. But good to see Cam back, man. He comes in, scores a rushing touchdown, throws his first pass, scores a, a passing touchdown. So this is the kind of upside that he's going to give you on a weekly basis, man. I do think I do think here's the thing. It might hurt Christian McCaffrey from the touchdown upside, uh, but Christian McCaffrey is going to catch so many fucking passes still. So it's like he's um, he's just a jack of all trades. Like he can he's just going to score it from every single angle, man. There's just there's no weak spots here. Even if Cam Newton takes some of the goal line carries like Christian McCaffrey still going to catch a passes a game. So his upside is real. He did leave the game for a little bit, like nursing the hamstring injury again. So keep a really close eye on that. I don't think it's too serious, though. Um, so what I would do, honestly, go over to YouTube, go over to the Fantasy Doctors. They do a recap of every injury from the night before. They do a really good job with this, and it's something that I typically watch, and I didn't watch before today's video, which was the first time all year, and I feel like a fucking idiot not having done that. But Sunday, Week 10 wrap-up, go to the Fantasy Doctors YouTube channel. Uh, they do a wrap-up of all the injuries that happen and give you like a quick one-minute synopsis of all of them. So... Um, actually, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just watch it together. Let's see what they say about C-Mac if he's in here. DeAndre Hopkins, Bang, Bang, Kamara. Hey, guys. Dr. Morris, Fantasy Doctors. This will be the Sunday night weekly wrap-up for Week 10. Did Terry get hurt? Earlier in the day, we had a couple injuries, uh, three injuries in particular, on the um, Washington side of the field. Um, McLaurin left briefly with a collarbone. He ended up coming back from the sort of it was negative. All right, so McLaurin's fine. Uh, if it was a type one, he came back in. They probably gave him a little cortisone and lidocaine, and he would be okay. But I, if he little lidocaine? Girl! Unfortunately, Chase Young may not be as lucky. He, he hit flexor, which is uh, kind of the, where the quad muscles attach to the front of the hip, but kind of like right here. It's almost like your groin. Um, Fuck it. We're just going to watch this together. These are very stubborn injuries. It's very possible he misses two, three, four weeks. All right, so Ricky Seals Jones' hip flexor are going to miss some, some time there. Fucking John Bates, Sizen. Let's go to Corderell. I knew Corderell got hurt, huh? Look. Uh, I'm going to talk about Corderell Patterson in a separate video, but my initial read is that he suffered a tight ankle sprain just based on the video. Fuck. Fuck. Oh, man. I'm fucked. Oh, fuck me. He's not going to play in week 11, is he? Shit. Shit. 
discuss it as everybody who wants it didn't look overly concerned. He was long pressure. What a joke. I fucking hate fantasy, dude. Obviously, he had a heck of a game. He probably could have had better if the score was closer. Baker Mayfield suffered a knee injury. It looked like finally. Uh, Dallas Goddard. Um, Goddard had a concussion. All right, so everything I hold sacred with Corderell Patterson has just been fucking ruined. My life is ruined, honestly. I'm not going to be competing for last place in E-Town Get Down. It's the only league I fucking care about. Doing good, doing fine in every other league. But E-Town Get Down, of course, just like everybody dies. Everybody dies. Everybody fucking stinks. All right, so Corderell Patterson, a little more serious than we had imagined. Christian McCaffrey, nothing on that video, so I guess he is good to go. Uh, Cam Newton, again, as soon as he is, he's taking most of the starter snaps, they said this week, as soon as he is ready to go as the starter. Um, let me make sure I'm still like, things are still cruising right now. Hold on. We're going to address this. So even Nick is using timestamps. This is specific to injuries, though. All right. And this is specific because I needed to, to talk about just one player to you guys. It's not the same. This We are not the same. I am a fucking Martian. Um, Robbie Anderson. Here, here mm, mm. I'm not going to say we need to pick bike up Robbie Anderson. DJ Moore goes under like 70 receiving yards, I believe, for like the sixth straight game or something. Uh, he continues to move down the list of players that I want in my fantasy lineup. Uh, Robbie Anderson, I actually think he's probably worth a speculative bag because anytime you put a new quarterback under under center, um, there might be a little change of scenery that promotes good health to your fantasy lineup. So Anderson, a guy I might pick back up because we don't know what's going to happen when Cam Newton is under center. All right, so C-Mac, bike, Robbie Anderson, possibly bike, Cam Newton, big bike. Arizona, Colt McCoy starts, gets hurt. Uh, James Conner season started and ended very quickly. Did score the touchdown at the end to solidify things. But again, DeAndre Hopkins in play. Kyler Murray didn't play. So can't really take away a whole lot here. Uh, AJ Green, Ronda Moore, both terrible games again. Christian Kirk, though, continues to be the one as DeAndre Hopkins has been out. I think, you know, last week I did not expect Murray or DeAndre Hopkins to play. I do expect them to play in week 11. They play at Seattle. So it's a divisional game, although Seattle stinks and they do have their bye coming up after that. So if it's a coin flip, I, I, I think they want to get Murray and Hopkins out there. I don't think this is going to be one of those like um, smart approaches where it's like, you know, just give them one more week of rest, then hit the bye week. I think, listen, I think if they're ready to play, I think they're going to look at it as if like, you know, we can play them because we have the bye week after this. I, th- I think one of the doctors I listened to, uh, Dr. Chow, he is a pro football doc on on Twitter. One of the one of the interesting takeaways are like different POVs that I don't think a lot of people consider. He was a doctor for the Chargers, so he has like actual insight into how NFL teams work. A lot of us in the fantasy community will say things like that, where we say, um, you know, they have a bye next week, so why not sit them this game and get them multiple weeks of rest? A lot of NFL teams actually do the opposite, and they say he has a bye next week, so we can play him this week. So if he's sore after this game, he's got that two weeks of rest. So us using that phrase or the you know that kind of shit is actually a little bit different. Um, is actually a, a little bit different than we might have thought. All right, so I like hearing those different POVs. Uh, I like hearing those different takes, especially from people who have the real insights. Uh, why aren't you subscribed to the doctor? channel nick i don't really subscribe to many youtube channels i don't i don't uh i don't i don't think i actually subscribe to any youtube channels i don't like shit clogging up my feed ever because they do a lot of 
um, individual video breakdowns where they'll they'll put out like you know like Bo Nix's ankle injury they'll put out like 15 videos a day and I don't want that clogging up my feed but I know exactly where to go I that's basically the only video I watch of them each week the recap video and then Dr. Morris will put out like individual video links on Twitter so if I want to hear something or see something I'll just click on it from Twitter but otherwise that shit is clogging up my feed like a big old shit but very high quality um content obviously uh yeah that's about it for me there vikings charges kirk cousins 294 and a couple tuggers justin jefferson has a beastly type of game 11 targets nine catches 143 yards zero tugs though unfortunately i actually kind of want to see let's let's take a look at the rankings right now let's take a look at the rankings i want to see like fantasy uh rankings right now i'm gonna see where the minnesota wide receiver is sitting at right now justin jefferson Wide receiver 13, half PPR. Adam Thielen, wide receiver 15, huh? I want to see points per game. Jefferson 13, Thielen 16. Okay. Interesting. Cooper Cup just absolutely breaking the game. Man, what a shame Antonio Brown getting hurt was. Top five in points per game this year. Cordell Patterson, sick fucking high ankle sprain, you loser. So disappointing. Terry, man. I feel like Terry's just stats just never doing justice. He continues to be like outside of the top 20 on points per game because of his quarterback play. He hits these ceiling games and you're like, yes, Terry. There's the Terry I paid for, but it's just it, it's it's not it's not often enough, man. Who the fuck is Cyril Grayson? One game of eleven point five points. Love to see that. Everyone pick up fucking Cyril Grayson, the GOAT. Um, so takeaways here. Dalvin Cook uh, just absolutely lives on the one-yard line. You know, I, I tweeted this out. I tweeted this out. Whoa. Um. tweeted this out yesterday, but like I, I was, you know, I'm curious if, you know, Dalvin Cook probably has a really nice house or a really nice apartment, p- probably pays a lot of rent or mortgage. I wonder if he pays rent to, you know, the field keeper at, uh, at in Minnesota or LA, whoever owns the one yard line, because that motherfucker just lives there. Cannot score a touchdown to save his fucking life. Did get in in this one, but he should have like three touchdowns. Um, you know, he's still not hitting those ceiling games of like 30 points that we kind of drafted him for, but I'm, I'm sure those are coming. I'm sure those are going to come. Otherwise, just, you know, par for the course. And uh, Tyler Conklin ended up being his day, caught two touchdowns on just 11 fucking yards. Those, that's just going to happen with Minnesota. But very, this is the most like Minnesota box score I've seen. You know, Kirk, 294, two tugs. Dalvin Cook, 95 and a touchdown. Jefferson goes off. Thielen, you know, if he doesn't score a touchdown, he doesn't have a monster game. But nothing really to take away here. Chargers, man, Herbert continues to struggle. I, I don't really know what to say at this point. This is just one of those things where we're going to look back on as fantasy people and just be like, I have nothing insightful to contribute because Justin Herbert should be really good, but he's been really bad the last three out of the last four games, which is hurting a guy like Austin Eckler. But, I mean, the only takeaways here, Keenan Allen, you keep firing him up, obviously. Austin Eckler, you keep firing him up. Mike Williams becomes an interesting case because Williams is going to be a guy now that I don't know if you can really trust him in your flex anymore. Um, It's going to obviously depend on what your other options are at flex, but they take on Pittsburgh tough defense, but might be without TJ Watt. So a little less tough at Denver at Cincinnati. 
Um, at Denver's not that tough of a matchup anymore. You know, they've lost some of their pieces and no more Von Miller, et cetera. At Cincinnati is kind of underrated as a defense. Um, uh, not, not a tough end of the year schedule, actually. Honestly, looking at the schedule right now, maybe after Pittsburgh, if you want to wait, but Mike Williams could be a buy low. Mike Williams could be a buy low here, given that they play the Giants, the, the Chiefs, the Texans, and the Denver Broncos with four straight home games. Actually, I'm just fucking blind right now. That is not a home game. That is that is an at game. Uh, but three of the four final games, all against not tough matchups um, at home. I think Mike Williams could be a buy low, but clearly something's off there. Um, and it's and it's affecting the entire offense. So Mike Williams is probably going to move down to like a, a wide receiver three, a low end wide receiver three going forward. That is that is going to be sittable, man. You don't want to miss those high ceiling games, obviously, but they're just not coming. Eagles versus the Broncos. Yes, yeah, so the Broncos defense just really is not good anymore without Von Miller. Jalen Hurts, uh, 178 passing yards, two touchdowns through the air, 53 yards on the ground, so par for the course. Howard and Boston Scott both have pretty good games. They're basically just like the arbitrage, the shitty version of, even though they out-statistically performed Williams and Melvin Gordon, they are basically Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. 12 for 83 on the ground for Howard, 11 for 81 on the ground for Boston Scott. Kenneth Gainwell obviously is super droppable. Um, both of those guys, I, I believe Miles Sanders is eligible to, re to return from IR next week. They play against the Saints next week, so not going to have confidence starting any of those guys, but they do play the Giants and then the Jets um, on the road the weeks after that. So nice matchups, but depending on when Miles Sanders comes back, it's going to be hard to trust either of these guys. Jordan Howard, will, what will likely happen is Jordan Howard will continue to have a role. I think Boston Scott's role will be diminished if Miles Sanders is back. So I'd hold on to how I mean I'd hold on to both of them most likely and see what Miles Sanders' uh game plan is going forward. But it's gonna be a, a pretty disgusting backfield and really, really hard to start any of them confidently outside of a flex play. Devontae Smith is really coming into his own, looking so good. Four for sixty-six, two touchdowns through the air, the clear number one target here, and the clear guy doing anything in this offense. Big hit here to Dallas Goddard. He goes down with a concussion early in the game, misses the rest of the game. I'm not sure what their depth chart looks like right now. Let me see if they have depth charts on here. There was they had a tight obviously they got rid of Zach Ertz. They had a tight end in the preseason that I was super, super high on. Ended up like really fucking up his hip and going on like long-term IR. And it was Tyree Jackson, who was like a quarterback in college, super athletic quarterback, transitioned to tight end. And uh, as you can see, best comparable to Logan Thomas, 6'7, 250. Super, super good 40-yard dash score. 94th percentile weight adjusted. I'm just not sure if he is going to be playing. Uh, I'll tell you what, though. I'll tell you fucking what. They activated Tyree uh, Jackson from return to IR about a week ago. Yeah, if Dallas Goddard is out, Tyree Jackson, I really, really want you guys to pick him up in Dynasty Leagues. I really want you to see what happens here because I think – who's Jack Stoll? Oh, they don't even have him on PP. That's how I know he ain't a player. Um, I really want to see what happens with Tyree Jackson because he was balling in preseason. He's a super athletic dude. And, again, I, he does remind me of Logan Thomas a lot. So I would I would pick up Tyree Jackson in Dynasty Leagues if you can to see what happens with, uh, with Dallas Goddard here because I, I honestly think next year if they keep Tyree Jackson, we could see a Goddard – uh, similar Ertz Goddard thing with Tyree Jackson and, and Goddard next year. Denver side of things, Teddy B has the most Teddy B game ever. Zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Um, the backfield for Denver is exactly the same as it has continued to be. Pass catching has been ugly, man. 
cannot trust Cortland Sutton whatsoever. He's been pretty fucking terrible since Jerry Judy has returned. And Jerry Judy is nothing more than like a, a medium PPR type player. Nine targets, six catches, 48 yards. But he's he's not showing any ceiling. No one has a ceiling with Teddy Bridgewater under center, unfortunately. And it's not like if they bench Bridgewater, Drew Locke's going to give anybody a ceiling. So for right now, I almost feel like Judy and Sutton are unplayable outside of super desperate uh, lineups. I think you still keep starting Noah Fant and you still keep starting Williams and Melvin Gordon as low end running back two flex plays. But you I mean, I, I just don't see a world where those either of those two really break out unless it's like perfect game scripts. Seahawks Packers, Russell Wilson looked awful. This might've been the worst game of his career. 161 passing yards, four yards per attempt, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. First game back, maybe the finger was bothering him. I would assume something was up there, man. He was super rusty, making a ton of bad throws. Uh, DK Metcalf does what DK Metcalf does and fights somebody and gets thrown out and then tries to come back into the fuck. That was actually kind of hilarious. Um, fake intern Tony saw DK Metcalf this summer at a random ass like place that we go for brunch or breakfast right around the corner from my apartment. It was so fucking odd. It's like an area of New York where like a lot of 20 to 25 year olds, like kind of like young hipsters, like hang out and shit. Super popular area of New York for young people. And like DK Metcalf just randomly was there. It's fucking hilarious. I didn't even see him, but I, I think about that moment like every day and I didn't even live the moment. But but fake intern Tony did. It was incredible. Uh, backfield. Can't trust Alex Collins. This seems like a very typical Alex Collins day. And now he's not even really involved in the passing side of things with Travis Homer. there getting four targets to Collins is one. Um, so the only playable people here are, I mean, I don't, I don't think you can stream Russell Wilson until you see a good game out of him. They play the Cardinals next week at Washington, San Francisco at Houston. So I, I'm going to be, you know, if I have another streaming option, although it could be a little bit of a shootout because Kyler Murray, I expect to be back. If you have a streamer, like even like a top 14 guy, I'm probably playing him over Russell Wilson going forward. Uh, Gerald Everett has a big game. I mean, that's like what the first big game he's had in 17 fucking weeks. Let me see what Everett's uh, game logs have looked like. I can't imagine he was, you know, he's been consistent at all. Yeah, that was his season high in targets, in receptions, in yardage. Uh, I guess something to keep an eye on because it is Russell Wilson's first game bike, but like, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. It's not something I'm about to pedal out here and tell you guys to get excited about. Let me let me see uh, what kind of stats that he had put up in terms of usage, snap counts, and whatnot. Everett's week 10, 46 snaps. Let's hit that percentage button. Played 75% of the snaps, which was the third highest. Uh, they didn't update all of the players, I suppose. But a very high percentage of snaps out of Gerald Everett uh, amongst tight ends. So I guess something to keep an eye on. Super athletic player, obviously. Got a lot of hype in the offseason. Uh, biggest takeaways from this game. Aaron Rodgers stunk, man. He's like getting close to like that borderline unplayable uh, option as well in fantasy at least I would I, I would rather own Rodgers over Wilson rest of season but like Rodgers is is a tough uh, is a tough is a tough sell in streaming lineups uh, the, the biggest the biggest storyline here of course is Aaron Jones's injury leaves with a MCL sprain um, the MCL sprain is not that bad for Aaron Jones so this was basically worse, uh, best case scenario for him. He's going to miss one to two weeks. 
has a mild MTL sprain, expect, expected to be out one to two weeks. Let's get some analysis from maybe some doctors. It's also worth noting that Aaron Jones has previously suffered multiple MCL sprains to both knees. This still isn't something that should require surgery, but it doesn't warrant whatever. Um, yeah, so so from what I've from what I've saw, from what I've read and, and researched, the MCL sprain is usually not something that lingers. Uh, it is something that he can actually come back from strong and be fine. The problem is it opens up this work for AJ Dillon. Now, AJ Dillon is, I mean, clear cut like top five fantasy running back. So for those of y'all that held on to him, if you're a Jones owner, if you weren't a Jones owner and now you have AJ Dillon, I mean, you just you just fucking lucked into an RB one into your lineup for the next you know two weeks probably. Twenty one carries, sixty six yards, immediately scores two touchdowns on the ground, catches two passes for sixty two yards, is a fifty yard touchdown or fifty yard pass. Um, so now all the work is going to AJ Dillon because they they missed out on. Uh, getting Kylan Hill work because he tore his ACL on like a kick return a couple weeks ago. So they have nobody behind AJ Dillon. It's dude, Patrick Taylor, who is uh, not about to be fantasy relevant whatsoever. Come on, Patty. Patrick Taylor, 6'2", 217. Actually got good size. Undrafted, um, 4'5", So not terrible speed, actually. But yeah, it's AJ Dillon, isn't it is very much AJ Dillon's time, and he is about to actually absolutely win weeks at Minnesota versus the Rams by Chicago at Baltimore. Actually, a really tough schedule to end the season, man. That is that's kind of brutal. Even for like Aaron Jones, who's returning to it. Um, I mean, regardless, you're playing AJ Dillon without a second fucking thought. Chiefs Raiders, uh, Chiefs got bike into just the good graces of fantasy Twitter after they ruled them down and out after people were streaming players over Patrick Mahomes. I mean, once you get into that zone, once you have people telling you to stream players over Patrick Mahomes, you knew this kind of game was coming a little bit surprising. I think a lot of people tried to take the Raiders plus two and a half because their pass rush and their just pass defense has been super good. And that lines up with the Chiefs offense playing really poorly. But Mahomes goes 35 for 50, 406 passing yards. Five touchdowns through the fucking air. Uh, ridiculous performance from him. They absolutely wiped the floor with the Raiders. Thoreau Williams played a workhorse role. Uh, 11 carries, 43 yards on the ground, but nine targets, nine catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown. His his touchdown cast, he just fucking mossed the defender. And you don't see a, a running back make plays like that very often. That's like That was like a, a C-Mac play. That was like a Saquon Barkley play. Like What Darrell Williams did on that touchdown catch was fucking beautiful. And uh, the rest of the players, uh, Travis Kelsey did Travis Kelsey things. 10 for 8, 119 through the air. Tyree Kill, 10 for 7, 83 and two touchdowns. So just a beautiful all-around game for the Chiefs. And I'm uh, I'm I'm glad to say that they are bike. They get Pittsburgh at Denver at Cincinnati. That's a fucking lie. They play uh, Dallas by Denver, Las Vegas. So three straight home games with a bye in the middle. So they're going to be lounging on their couch quite a bit over the next month of the season. Uh, I think this will help them get some mojo and help them kind of push forward as a team and hit a little bit of a hot streak. So got to be feeling good as Kansas City player owners here. Raiders side of the ball. Uh, shit game from everyone involved. Their running backs combined for 32 yards, split between evenly Drake and Jacob, 16 yards apiece. Edwards had a good game, three for 88 and a touchdown. I'm not going to buy into that much because I saw a ridiculous stat on Twitter today. Context matters. Brian Edwards went zero for 12 yesterday, getting open against single man coverage and was targeted one time. Was 0 for 6 against press single man coverage. 
Uh, this is a season-long trend, 27.5% open rate versus single man, and the Raiders need help at outside wide receiver. So despite the big play that he made, uh, Brian Edwards has been pretty terrible. Hunter Renfro has basically the exact same stat line every single week, 746, does score another touchdown. So, again, you keep throwing him into your lineup as a flex play, a strong flex play. Darren Waller, another disappointing game, man. I think there's nothing really you could say or do other than just keep throwing him into your lineup because he's got weekly ceiling games. But, I mean, the guy that you feel best about right now pretty much is Hunter Renfro in that passing game. Sean Jackson did some weird fucking shit where he, like, caught a deep ball and then turned into a safety, and it looked like he was trying to tackle the fucking safety that was trying to tackle him. It was it was fucking weird, lunatic-type shit out of Deshaun Jackson. But it's Hunter Renfro, um, and that's really it. Otherwise, the Raiders play the Bengals next week at Dallas, Washington, at Kansas City again. Um, CEH expected to be back next week. So I, I do think this is going to be some sort of a committee again between CEH and Darrell Williams, which it basically was prior to CEH getting hurt. So it's going to be hard to get confident in either of these guys. I do think I think they'll probably both be flex-worthy plays when CEH is back. Not confident flex plays, but both probably in that like 25 to 30 range in the RB rankings for next week. And as always, y'all can catch my, oh, fuck. I just realized y'all have not been able to. <laughs> He's going to say was not sharing my screen that whole time. Love to see it. Love to absolutely see it. Sorry, y'all par for the course, of course. Par for the course, of course, when you step into this zone and step into this content level. Um, yeah, so you can see the last of the box scores. But CEH bike next week. Uh, flex plays. Yes, cool. Good story. Thank you. Hate to see it. What else is going on? We're at the, the I tell you what, these fucking pieces of content are, 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 um, are pretty exhausting. They're long and I don't stop talking for a long ass time. Um, So they're tough. My throat hurts. My head hurts. My eyes hurt. My heart hurts. My soul hurts. Coral Patterson, a bitch. That's really all I got to say. How's everybody doing? Hello. Hello. Rest in peace, Dawson Knox, startability. Uh, I wouldn't say so. I don't know if I'd go that far. Um, Knox, Knox played on 84% of the snaps. So the bigger games are are still coming. Like he's still a, a full-time player right now. So I'm okay with it. Correct. Nick, holy shit, brother. What? Why are you yelling? Nick, let me be your assistant. I'll make sure things like that don't happen. Big dog. You fired. Um. Okay. Uh, I got to run. I got to be at a meeting at 3.30 p.m. So what I would advise y'all to do right now is go over to Underdog Fantasy like immediately because this is going to run out. This promo code runs out. 
by the end of today. This is the last week they're doing it. I would immediately go over here. I would hit Darrell Henderson, and I would either take over 16.5 receiving yards or over 2.5 receptions, whatever you think is a little bit sexier. But I'd hit the over on one, if not both of those, um, because that's fucking free money. Free, you love when underdog just gives out free money. They're also giving you free money if you use the promo code BDGE when you deposit for the first time. So you'll get a 100% deposit match if it's your first time on underdogfantasy.com. Promo code BGE. That is it for this Monday recap. I will see y'all on Tuesday morning, tomorrow morning for the waiver wire video. As always, bright and early, 5 a.m. Eastern time. So make sure you subscribe to the channel. I love you. I'm out. I'm about to upload this as a podcast vision. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.